This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Missing is produced by What's the Story Sounds. They also make lots of other great content, which I think you might like. Why not sign up for What's the Story Crime? On there, you'll find series including The Missing completely ad-free, as well as bonus content and even entire series you can't hear elsewhere. Signing up is super easy. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. Why do some stories get more attention than others? When someone goes missing, what dictates how many column inches are printed in the newspaper? How many posters are put up in shop windows? How many police officers are scouring the streets? In this episode, we tell the story of Lana Purcell, a young mum who vanished from her home 10 years ago. It's a case you can be forgiven for not knowing much about, because when Lana went missing, it barely registered anywhere in the local community. Now, a decade later, a renewed search is promising to find out what happened. Hello, mate. Can I leave you one of these? My door's been missing for a little while. If you could put it in the window so people can see it. Thank you. God bless you. Hopefully we're going to get something from it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Could Lana still be out there, unwilling or unable to return home? Or does someone know what happened to her and is keeping it a secret? I feel bad going home and going to bed because you wonder where is she? Like, is, is she cold? Is she hungry somewhere? Is she hurt? It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. 
It's a case which the police believe could be solved. So much so, they've offered a £20,000 reward to whoever can help them find answers. We are appealing now for witnesses or anyone who has any information about her whereabouts or any information as to how her disappearance came about. Uh, we're hoping that the public hear this appeal and any information they've got, they come forward and provide it to us. I'm Pandora Sykes and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series brought to you with support from the charity Missing People and investigation specialists Locate International. They believe every case could still be solved. This is The Missing, Lana Purcell. September 2020. John Purcell is standing on a windy street in Camden, North London. A stack of flyers are in his hand, his face anguished as he stops people walking past. Hello mate, can I leave you one of these? My door's been missing for a little while, so you can put it in the window so people can see it. Thank you. God bless you. Many avoid eye contact, scurrying on past, not interested in whatever John might be selling. Hello. Can I leave that with you? My daughter missing for many years. Thank you. God bless you. But John isn't selling anything. The flyers feature an image of his daughter, Lana. So does the T-shirt he's wearing. Sweetheart, can I leave you this, please? Thank you. My daughter's been missing for a while. Lana went missing in January 2011, and nobody has heard a thing from her since. Hello. My daughter's been missing for, for nine years. I don't know if you were interested. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. John hopes that today might signal a change in the case. London's Metropolitan Police are reviewing Lana's disappearance. And unusually, for a long-term missing case, they're offering a £20,000 reward for information that could bring this decade-long case to a conclusion. We have today authorised to give a £20,000 reward for witnesses or anyone who has any information about her whereabouts. We know that allegiances change, especially over a 10-year period, um, and circumstances change, so people now uh, may have the burden of having that information and have not provided it to the police previously. We are doing this because uh, we know the family now, we know the torment they've gone through, and, um, and I personally feel that uh, someone in the public has some information. Um, we're certain of that, and we want them to come forward, and I am optimistic that we'll get the right result. That's Mike Stubbins, the detective in charge of Lana's case. He believes that the answers lie in the community in Camden, and with the people Lana associated with back then. To solve it, Mike and his team will need to go back 10 years and understand the world that Lana was involved in. Lana was uh, a lovely child growing up. Uh, her nickname was Barney Rubble because she was always getting into trouble. <laughs> yeah, she was a lovely kid. Playful, 
Well, I would say a little bit mischievous, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. But she was a beautiful kid. She's never been nasty to anybody. No, she's always been a good girl. John Purcell has fond memories of Lana growing up. She had a really good life. Well, she, I thought she had a good life growing up. Compared to some children, she, she was loved by both her parents. Her nanny, her uncles, her aunts. They all loved her. Everyone loved her. Her sisters and brothers. From the way the Purcells speak about Lana, it's easy to imagine the warm and enveloping home she grew up in. And like a true product of her environment, Lana's sister Davina also remembers her as a happy and fun-loving member of their close-knit family. She was very bubbly, vibrant and loud. You would hear her before you see her. And she was always having a joke. She was always laughing, dancing up the road. Happy, happy person. Her hair was like silk. She would only have to wash it and not even use a blow dryer and it just used to dry like silk. I was always quite jealous about that, actually. She wears a lovely smile. She's, yeah, she was tiny, weren't she, Dad? Tiny. She was just lovely. Lovely person. Unlike her home life, Lana's time at school was less stable. She went to Parliament Hill, a comprehensive girls' school in Camden, where she always felt like she was lagging behind her peers. Except at sports, that is. Lana was an accomplished athlete. As her final months at school neared, Lana and her classmates turned their attention to what they'd go on to do after they left. Lana had always loved children. She was great with them. She had an easy rapport and warmth. She consistently told her friends, family and teachers that she wanted to find a way of turning that gift into a career. And everyone believed she would. But there was one large obstacle that threatened to derail Lana's dreams. She, she told me that she had a boyfriend one day and we was all quite shocked. And she would go missing with him every weekend, partying, which was new for Lana at that time because she wasn't interested in stuff like that. And uh, from what I gather, he, well, I know he was a drug user and uh, she, she'd done the drugs with him first. That's how it happened. Like many other parents finding themselves in this situation, the Purcell family were conflicted. They weren't sure how much of Lana's new behavior was just a phase. The normal rites of passage that come with adolescence and growing up. She was happy, and because we'd never seen her with a boyfriend, and she was in love, and it was nice seeing Lana like that. In cases like Lana's, and with the benefit of hindsight, it's natural to want to identify a turning point in the timeline, to pin down the exact moment things started to go wrong. Lana's family believed that her first real relationship with a boy, when she was a teenager, marked a dramatic shift in the direction of her life. I think I'd like to blame someone for her problems, but it is probably quite quite factual that, that this guy got her onto drugs. Like. But no, this is just my opinion. This it might not be fact. 
she might have just took them because she wanted to. But uh, it's not something that I would have thought she wanted to do. Lana's boyfriend was well known for his association with recreational drugs. And Lana, possibly influenced by her first love, or simply swept along by the hedonism of something she saw as fun and thrilling, became more and more heavily involved. When John realised that his daughter's spiralling behaviour was more than just coming of age, he decided to intervene. We tried everything we could to stop her, but that was uh, unsuccessful because the, the drugs that she was taking was quite strong and it was very hard for her to come off of them. They were really bad times for me because I couldn't control her. Lana's choices were taking her further and further away from the happy and steady life she'd known. All her time and attention went on her boyfriend, with everything and everyone else relegated to the sidelines. It was a shame because uh, she lost a lot of friends because of that, and she mixed in a different circle, which was uh, not something that I know she was looking for when she was younger. A brief glimmer of hope came in 2003, when Lana's first love ended the relationship. The family assumed that after this, Lana would come home and they could all work together to get back to the family they had been. But Lana quickly moved on to another boyfriend, repeating all the same patterns of destructive behaviour. And in 2004, something happened which made the family realise Lana's behaviour was more than just a phase or the influence of a wayward boyfriend. It became crystal clear that Lana's drug use was a lot more habitual than they had realised. We was on holiday, me and my wife, when someone phoned my wife and told her that they'd seen Lana taking crack. I said, that can't be right. So, boom, we was straight on the train and home and see what we could do with her. We thought that she'd only just started, that we'd be able to help her, but but apparently she hadn't just started. We must have been so dumb not to have noticed it. The Purcell family began to understand that something they thought they could handle was actually a situation out of control. Soon after the family returned from holiday, they booked Lana into a residential rehab. At this point, Lana was thin, pale and constantly distracted. She was literally a shadow of her former self. Lana responded well to the treatment she received in rehab, a mix of talking therapy and controlled withdrawal. Lana's counsellors, as well as her family, were hopeful that the old Lana was starting to come back. But the road to recovery is rarely smooth. And unbeknown to the Purcells, Lana had met someone in rehab and fallen in love. One of the fundamental rules of rehabilitation is to concentrate on your own recovery, avoiding new relationships which might trigger old patterns of behaviour. So on hearing about Lana's new romance, John was immediately concerned. He, he seemed like a nice guy at first, but we now know that he's not. But mixing with someone who's in the same problem she's got is not going to help her. In spring 2005, Lana excitedly told her family she was pregnant. And in December, she gave birth to a baby girl, who she named Megan. Megan was the positive life that everyone needed. 
and her birth marked the start of a new chapter for Lana. She had a period when she came out of there where she seemed okay. We thought it would be uh, good for her and she was very happy when she had Megan. She was a different person for a little while there and uh, we was all happy, everyone in the whole family. Lana got her own place, a small flat in Bassett Street in Kentish Town. The area wasn't ideal, but the flat had space for a nursery for Megan and there was a park nearby. John and Jackie, Lana's mum, would visit the flat most days to help out. Or Lana would take Megan to the family home for tea and sleepovers. She was back to being the lovely little girl that we all knew, uh, but that didn't last much longer. Being a single parent was hard. The sleepless nights and monotonous days with a newborn chipped away at everything Lana had learnt during her time in rehab. She had a chance to kick on, but she took it the other way. And we found out afterwards that she was back on board again. The hope the family had all held about Lana breaking the cycle she was in was slowly ebbing away. I think it was the area that she lived in, coming out of rehab, trying to start a new life, and then you see your old friends on a, on a regular basis, like walking past you in the street, and you're trying to stay away from these pe- people, but um, it's hard, especially when I suppose she was bored in her flat. And I think that's where it, that's where I think it went wrong. With Lana struggling, the family decided that Megan would be safer living with Davina. It was an arrangement that was meant to be temporary, some stability for Megan while Lana was dealing with her issues. But months turned into years. Lana kept in touch with Megan and still spent time with her family, but she couldn't shake the habits that had shaped her recent years. In December 2010, the Purcells all geared up for the festive period together. Christmas is a special time in many households. High pressure, sure, but often a time when old wounds are healed and rifts are mended. Megan was six years old and the family wanted to spoil her. The house was decorated and the kitchen was overflowing with pots and pans from the Christmas dinner. But no amount of colourful wrapping paper and Christmas carols could disguise that Lana was very obviously back on drugs. Lana come round to bring presents round, so she didn't really stay long. Mm, we know why, but we didn't, you know, criticise or, or judge her for it. I told her that I loved her and I'll see her soon. And, I just feel so damn thinking about it now. You know, you're just reminding me what it was. I didn't realise at the time it was going to be the last time. I didn't realise. Lana spent New Year's Eve with us into the early hours of New Year's Day. And we said goodbye, she left. I spoke to her, I think it was maybe a week after. And that was the last time I spoke to her.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. More than 50% of habitual drug users are reported as missing at one time or another. And over the years, the frequency with which Lana would be out of contact increased. Sometimes she'd be gone for a couple of days, other times longer, but she always returned. Her family believed that Lana got involved in prostitution to fund her habit. Her circle of acquaintances included some with criminal records and perhaps bad intentions. But two weeks into the new year of 2011, Lana's flatmate got in touch with the Purcell family. She told them that they should report Lana missing. Two days. Yeah, two days she'd been gone. And Davina said the same thing as me, like, you don't... uh worry about Lana. I said, well, let's wait for a couple of days. And then if she still hasn't come home, I'll call the police. But Lana's flatmate wouldn't take no for an answer. Girl said, quite adamant, you have to report her missing. There was something about the flatmate's insistence that alarmed the family. Did she know something she wasn't telling them? And why wasn't Lana answering her door or the many phone calls from the family? Obviously, I was starting to get a bit worried. Ah. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Once once I couldn't get hold of her, my, my uh, belly started going. Started having butterflies or some sort of problem with my stomach, telling me there's something wrong. I went up to the police station and I reported her missing. John did not find his first trip to Kentish Town Police Station to be a positive one. He felt that the officers he spoke to were dismissive. Lana's lifestyle meant she was already known to the police. She had a history of stealing from shops in the West End. Not an accomplished thief, Lana would get caught most weeks, so many of the officers knew her by name. I went to the police station several times, and and even one of the police officers in there said, yeah, this is strange for Lana, because we all know Lana. They all knew her, and they said she hasn't been in any trouble or been picked up by anybody for a while now, so that should have sent a red rag to her. But it didn't. John believes the police took a long time to act on his fears and on the tip-off from Lana's flatmate because of Lana's chaotic lifestyle. It's undeniable that Lana was regularly in trouble with the law and a well-known drug user, 
and the way she lived her life meant she was more likely to disappear for extended periods of time. The sad and unfair truth is that some missing persons cases garner little attention. Those living a life of crime, or those involved in drink or drugs, tend to receive less coverage in the media. With so many cases each and every day, news editors tend to run with those which will resonate with their readers. Putting it bluntly, someone known for addiction with a criminal record isn't likely to command the same column inches as a middle-class professional. Lana's family were desperate for her to be found safe and well. But with no more information from Lana's flatmate that could help, they had no choice but to take matters into their own hands. At one point, I felt like a rabbit in the headlights because I didn't know what to do, who to ring, who to speak to about it. Because at one point, there weren't even a detective in charge of my sister's case. The family tried everything they could possibly think of to find Lana. They put posters up all across North London, Manor House, Finsbury Park, Camden. They asked all of Lana's friends, some of whom were drug users themselves, and followed flimsy leads that led them nowhere. And they would often find themselves in dangerous places and situations, all because they were so determined to find her. We was walking the streets late at night, putting ourselves at risk. And you, you know, you feel bad going home and going to bed because you wonder where is she? Like, is, is she cold? Is she hungry somewhere? Is she hurt? It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The family worked out that Lana had last been seen on or around January the 17th of 2011, possibly heading towards the Soho area of central London. From there, the trail ran cold, but it had to centre on her flat on Agar Grove in Camden and the streets surrounding it. That was where Lana would spend her time and where her associates would visit. And so questions arose. Was Lana the victim of trafficking, taken and held against her will, perhaps to pay off a drugs debt? Was she murdered? There was no evidence of anyone wanting to do her harm, but in the circles Lana moved, it's not inconceivable that violence played a part. Or did Lana flee that world, pack up and run from whatever she was mixed up in, but was too afraid to return? It's worth noting that one in 50 missing adults actually disappear to escape the threat of violence. For John, after a decade of not knowing, he just wants answers. It's come to the point now that I just want to know. And I'll deal with whatever happens when I know. But I have to know what's happened to her. And it's just come now, I want to, I want to know. When someone goes missing, any clue can be the difference between them being found or gone forever. Particularly useful clues often come from phone records and activity. Whenever a mobile phone is used to make a call or access the internet, they connect to a mast, and these connections are logged and kept by network providers. But in Lana's case, the police didn't launch an official missing persons inquiry until two months after her disappearance, and much of the data was no longer available. 
because of that, like they lost the opportunity of finding out where her phone is, uh, which I find unforgivable. Uh, they, they could have taken it seriously, gone on the website, find out where the, the girl's phone is, because then you'll find where Lana is. Perhaps because of the time between Lana going missing and the police starting their official search, or perhaps because of the lifestyle Lana led, with no real structure and continually changing friendship groups, the Purcells quickly realised that any leads that might have been open to them when Lana first went missing were all but exhausted. Learning to live without answers is something we hear a lot about during this series. Without exception, it's an incredibly painful experience for the families we talk to. Something which unites everyone we've spoken to is the disbelief that this could happen to them. Even with stories such as Lana's, turbulent times and destructive behaviour, the shock at a loved one's disappearance is still extreme. It's a nightmare. You, you don't know, you don't, yeah, until it happens to you. Because you think, how can someone go missing? And, and it, it, when it happens to you and they disappeared off the face of the earth, it is, it is, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I'm knocking on a little bit now. I, I don't really want to die without knowing what's happened to my daughter. And I keep thinking that, like, I've got to know. Not knowing is the worst thing ever that could ever happen to a parent. In August 2020, an amazing story hit the headlines. A man called Richard was found hiding in Woodland in Cambridgeshire. He had been missing for five years and police had even begun an investigation into his murder. They described his disappearance as a complete mystery. But all along, Richard was alive and living in the same town he'd been in previously. He'd intentionally gone to ground, into hiding, to avoid exploitation from a group he believed would target him. He'd concealed himself in undergrowth, so effectively that many gave up hope of finding him. It's stories like Richard's, despite their rarity, that mean families of missing people can never give up hope from finding answers. Without a body or an answer, all they have are questions and hope. And just recently, the Purcells received some new information of their own, which made them realise that if they can just keep going, the answers might still emerge. Got a lot of information we've given to, to the police. Uh, I've got more to give her now, more to give the police now. Someone's told me they've got an interview on tape of someone saying they've got Lana's keys. Now, why would they have Lana's keys nine years after Lana, Lana's been missing. And they said that if the police go and speak to this person, he's likely to let them know a bit more. And that's not the only breakthrough. Other things have happened which have confirmed the Purcell's belief that there's plenty more to uncover. Firstly, the family have been told that Lana's old flatmate has recently sent text messages to a friend of the family, asking them to stop digging into Lana's story. If that's true, why did the flatmate send those messages? 
Then, at a recent party, John's grandson, Lana's nephew, spoke to someone who said they knew Lana. She said that Lana had been taken to her flat on Agar Grove in a black BMW. Could that be linked to Lana's disappearance? Who was driving the BMW? The friend also said that she kept quiet all those years ago, but due to a change in circumstances, she could be ready to talk to the police. John and the family are aware that all these clues, suggestions, tidbits and leads could very well be red herrings. By the nature of the community that Lana mixed with, memories are skewed and paranoia and suspicion is common. Rumours can spread without any basis to them. But as the old adage goes, knowledge is power. And for the Purcells, any information is helpful. If you know something what's um, happened to my daughter, please, please come forward. If you don't want the police involved, I'll, I'll take them. Take what you say and then I'll tell the police. So there's no need for you to be involved with the police if you don't want to be. But please come forward if you know. That's the only thing I can do. Anyone who's got kids will understand. Anyone who's got someone that they love will understand. When someone goes missing out of your life, that's a big part of your life. It's something that lives with you forever. And there's going to be no resolution for me or my family until we find her. One very important member of the Purcell family is Megan. She was six years old when her mother went missing. She's now a smart and articulate 15-year-old girl. She's working hard at school and hopes to follow in her mum's athletic footsteps and go to university to study sports science. She had something to say to anyone who might know anything about her mum's disappearance. There has to be someone that knows something that could like help. So just please come forward and help us find her or find what happened to her. And if it is the worst, at least we know that. And we're not here left wondering what if she's still alive and we could either have a funeral for her She's a big part of our family and always will be. If you know what happened to Lana, the family are desperate for you to come forward and the police are offering a £20,000 reward, believing that money might be the incentive needed for people to speak up. There's a number of people that will be living in the area that uh, are struggling firstly with the burden on their shoulders but also maybe struggling financially and this may then be um, a, a big carrot for them to come forward and say look we do have this information um, Megan, her daughter, was only six when she went missing and uh, she's had to have her whole life growing up without her mum. So uh, we're hoping that the public hear this appeal and any information they've got, they come forward and provide it to us. We've put the details of this case on our website, themissingpodcast.org. On there, you'll find images and details, not just for this case, but for every case we featured on the show. There's also links where you can share vital information on these cases with the experts at Locate International. They've set up a team to investigate these cases and explore any information that comes in. And you'll find more information about the charity Missing People, 
who work tirelessly to support the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you've been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. The executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.